and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. I love that story because it shows uh, that we are stronger together, we are safer together, and we are a whole lot better together as, uh, as well. And speaking about better together, something's coming up this week on, uh, on Thursday that is really, really cool for those especially between the ages of 18 and 35 that are in here and are watching online. We're going to be having our first YAC meeting, which is the young adults. So this should be amazing. And Mr. Boom himself, Mr. Uh, Walter Charles, will be leading that. And they'll be having food from 6 o'clock until 7 o'clock. Then there'll be uh, worship in here at 7 o'clock. So do not miss that. Do not miss that. Do not miss that. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And we're in a study right now, and we've been doing things about just talking about uh, why, you're, why we're on this earth. And we said the two biggest reasons, first of all, is to be connected to God, and then the second one is also to be connected to each other. And we said this, that, well, you know, if you've ever done anything with, with planting flowers or anything, or, or you've had those in, our, in your house, usually it comes with a little tag, right, that says, says something like, this plant is best in direct sunlight, or this plant is best in shade, or this plant is best with, with a lot of water or very little water. It says things like that. If you came with one of those tags, it would say that you work best in relationship with God and in relationship with other people. God has created you for both of those things. But something that, we, and I want to say hi to those who are watching online right now around the country and around the world. We're reaching people, we realize we're in about 45 states, about 10 countries, and we are really glad that you are part of the Crossroads family. Amen. Can we just give them a hand for those? But I want to say thank you for those who are in the house to, today as, uh, as well. You know, something that, I, uh, that I, I thought of is, let's just be honest, I was not going to go here with this message, but I uh, really felt I was supposed to, and that's that, that relationship of any kind, it takes two things. It takes uh, vulnerability, and it takes risk, doesn't it? Because here's the, here's the truth of the matter is you and I were created with two things inside of us that a lot of times compete with each other. And the first one of those is we have the need to be loved and we have the, the need to, to, you know, to, to have relationship with, with other people. That's been inside of us. That is to be noticed, to be, to be loved. That's in there. In fact, from the time you were a little boy or a little girl in a cradle, that you cried out, and you didn't just cry out because you were hungry. You didn't just cry out because you needed changing. You cried out because you wanted to be loved, because you wanted to be cared for, and that never has changed throughout your entire lifetime. That has always been there, and sometimes it even grows and grows as we grow older. We, have ne we never go away from that need to be loved and to be cared for, but at the same time, we've got this need inside of us also for protection, to, to make sure we're safe, and so sometimes these things collide because sometimes the need to be safe overrides the need that we have for relationship and love and we lose out in that and we miss out on what God intended us for, to, to be and to do. You know, there's a, a, a song from uh, Simon and Garfunkel years back and it's called I Am a Rock and I thought these words are just incredible when it comes to, to this and just talking about, you know, God didn't make us to be alone and it says this, it says, Winter's day in a deep and dark December, I'm alone. Gazing from my window to the streets below on a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow. I'm a rock. I'm an island. 
I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need for friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I'm a rock. I'm an island. Don't talk of love. I've heard those words before. It's sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that have died. If I'd never loved, I never would have cried. I'm a rock, I'm an island, and he ends with saying, and a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. And he's right, a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries, but here's the thing, they never live either. And here's the thing, isn't the purpose of life, I don't know, maybe to live? And if we're in isolation, if we're building these walls and these fortresses and everything, then we're never really living the life God intended us to, to live. And, you know, something is, uh, if we're really going to connect with other people, which is what we're talking about, uh, it's gonna, we're going to be hurt, aren't we? I mean, because people hurt us. If you've ever loved, then you've, you've had your heart broken from time to time. If you've ever been a friend that you know what disappointment was about, and you know probably what rejection is about as, as well, you know those things. But also, the risk, apparently, is worth it when we, because we were created to, to love. And God gives us that example. You know, you think about what God was willing to do, exactly what we're talking about here. God, uh, he, he knew that creating us, that we would turn our back on him that there were times that we would reject him, that we would break his heart from time to time. Even as a race, we'd break his, his heart. As a generation, we'd break his heart. He knew that. But, but also, he also knew that if he created us, it would cost him the, the life of his son, Jesus Christ. And yet somehow that intimacy, somehow that relationship, somehow that connection was worth it, and it is for us as, uh, as well. And something, something that I thought of, uh, of there too is, I really believe that maybe God is saying to some people in here that it's, gonna, it's time to love again. It's time to put your heart out there again. It's time to care again and be cared for again. It's time to be a friend uh, again. That doesn't mean we recklessly put our heart out that, but that means that, that God, if, unless we're not a rock, we're not an island, we're human beings, and human beings were created to connect. Let's re-examine a passage that we looked at last week in Ecclesiastes. It says this, Two people are better than one, often one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together, they can keep each other warm. But how can one person keep warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back, they'll conquer. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. We talked about some of the benefits of friendship last, last week, and we said this. First of all, relationship brings life to us. We also said that healthy relationships make us healthier. It makes us healthier emotionally, spiritually, physically, in every way. It also, we can do more together than we could ever do apart. And relationships also help us help each other. Something else is relationships make life sweet, don't they? Uh, one person said this, I love it. They said that, that relationships are the chocolate chip in the cookie of, of life. And I like that because you think about it. I was watching a ball game a few months ago, and it was one of those, it was a great game. And, man, it came down to the last second, and everything was fantastic, and everything was wonderful. Man, my team won, and, and I'm, but I usually watch games with other people. And this time I happen to be watching alone, and I'm wanting to give a high five, wanting to give a fist bump, and there was nobody around to do that. And it wasn't the same. Even though it was great, even though it was fun, there was something missing because I wasn't sharing it with a, with a friend. You think about also a, a, a movie. 
And if you've ever seen a great movie, but you happen to see that movie alone, something was missing, wasn't it? Something was missing. It's just that sharing that with, with another person. And it's not just the, the dinner that makes the food great. It's doing the dinner with somebody that you care about, with a friend or with family or something like that. That's what makes the dinner special. In the same way, it's life. Uh, relationships make, make life sweet. Another thing is we're inspired and encouraged through relationship as well. I like the story about the guy who was, uh, it was years ago in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, and, and suddenly there was a knock on the door in the middle of this, this horrible, terrible uh, storm. And the guy answered the door and he said, hey, can, can you give me a push? And the guy said, you know, I just got changed and everything ready for bed, and the kids are sleeping and everything. I'm sorry, I can't give you a push. And the guy goes away dejected and closed the door, and his wife comes up to him and said, what are you doing? This guy needs a push. This guy wanted a push, and you're leaving him out in the cold and everything, not giving a push. If you needed a push, you'd want somebody to give you a push. He goes, all right. So he goes to the door, and he said, are you still out there? And he said, yeah. He said, do you still need a push? Yeah. Well, where are you? Over here on the swing. Sorry. I was terrible. <laughs> That's a groaner, wasn't it? Didn't it feel good to groan like that? And good relationships inspire us to succeed. Straight out of the verse, it says, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. And think about it. If you've ever been, why do they have classes in gyms? Why do they have the Zumbas and the, you know, and the, the yogas and things like this? Why do they have times where you are doing it together? It's because you, not only is it more fun when you're with other people, but also you inspire each other to do more. People do more when they're in a group than they would exercise on their, on their own. Or how about this? One team, the same team, can lose 70% of its games on the road. And that same team with the same players, the same coach, the same rules, the same ball, the same everything, that same team can win 70% of its games at home. What is the difference between those? Well, one of it... It's the home field advantage, isn't it? Or the home court advantage. Because one place you're going to get booed, and the other place you're going to get cheered and encouraged and inspired. And I want us to think about that is why God created so many institutions of life. The institution of friendship and of, of marriage and of family and of church. Because God created those things to be the home field advantage. Because this world will knock the snot out of you, won't it? And this world will boo you. And this world will tear you down. And this world will break you apart. And God has created those things where we can come in and we can be family, where we can do family, where we can be together, we can encourage each other, and we can be cheered on to, to go on with, uh, with life. I love that Jesus was constantly pointing his friends to, to their greatness and to, for them to succeed, wasn't he? I mean, you think about one time he, see, he looked at him and said, you're going to do greater things than I am, than I've ever done. Woo! And then he said this, and uh, he said in Acts, he said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, he was going, guys, you guys are going to rock the planet, and you guys may not think you're anything, but you're gonna, God's going to change the world through you. You're going to make a difference in this world, and he was constantly taking them to greatness, inspiring them to, uh, to, to greatness. And so here's the thing that we need to ask. We need to ask, how are we doing with friendship? Are our friends better because we're their friends? Are our friends more encouraged because we're in their, their life? 
when, in, in, in our relationship, whatever relationship is around us, are, are they better because they're, are, do they, are they more inspired for God? Are they more inspired to, to do, accomplish things in the world? Do they get encouraged or do they get bashed? Do they get built up or do they get teared, torn down? What do we do with, uh, with, with our friends there? Because, you know, Johnny Appleseed, we know the story and everything, and Johnny Appleseed, he's the guy that would go around in like five different states, and he's planting seeds everywhere. Understand this. You and I are planting seeds every day of our life with those people around us, with a relationship in our families, in our, in our job, in our school, in our, in our community, wherever it is, we're planting seeds here and there of either encouragement or disencouragement. We're planting seeds of life. We're planting seeds of death. We're planting seeds wherever we go. What seeds are you going to be planting this, uh, this week? Another, one of my, my favorite stories about helping another person succeed is a story that took place, I'm going to take you back to 1936 in Berlin during the... Uh, uh, during the the, uh, the Olympics that were held there. Now remember, at this time, you had this this madman by the name of Adolf Hitler, who was trying to spread this 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 propaganda that the Aryan race was the superior race. And this beautiful thing in the middle of the Olympics is you had this young African American that came and decimated all that. His uh, his name was Jesse Owens, and he'd already won a couple of gold medals. And but then it came to the point where it was the the, the long jump, and there was a, a a hero, a national hero by the name of Lux Long, who was a you know who in from from Germany, and and he had watched as as Jesse Owens had had scratched twice on the long jump. So that means if he was going to scratch again, he would not even be in the finals in order to get a medal. And so uh, Jesse Owens says that he was by the side of the track, just completely dejected. And that's when Luke's came up to him and he said, here's what you're doing wrong. You need to stop and go back about six inches or a foot because you're going to make it in there. And he told him exactly what he's doing wrong and he encouraged him. And this is what Jesse Owens did. Jesse Owens on the, the time. Now remember, Luke's Long had just set the Olympic record in the long jump. And now Jesse, with Luke's Long's help, sets the world record that stood for 24 years. Now, here's the beautiful part. I want you to see who comes over and encourages him, the very first person that congratulates him, in the front of Adolf Hitler himself. They went to the, they posed for pictures, then they went arm in arm into the locker room. And here's what Jesse Owens said about that. He said, it took a lot of courage for him to befriend me in front of Hitler. You can melt down all the medals and cups I have, and they wouldn't be a plating on a 24-carat friendship that I felt for Lutz Long at that moment. Hitler must have gone crazy watching us embrace. He was posthumously uh, awarded a, a Medal of Citizenship because this is the last time Jesse Owens ever saw him because Luke's Long died in Italy during World War II. But what a beautiful picture of inspiring and saying, I pray that we're that with our friends, with those around us, with our family, and always inspiring them for, for greatness. Relationships also cause us to grow, don't they? I was thinking about my own life and kind of taking, a, taking you know, stock of my own life, and I'm thinking there are very few things that I did not go from here to here, whatever that was, if it weren't for a friend that encouraged me and, and maybe inspired me and maybe showed me a better way of doing something than what I was doing. 
And some of that could be for just something like helping, you know, teaching me how to build something or just, or just you know, something with, with relationships or how they did their family, how did they did their kids, how they did their, their you know, was, a, was a, a spouse or things. Or maybe it's in, their, in our, my faith. There's some of you that have encouraged me so much in your prayer life is so strong and, or your worship is so, is so passionate, is so intense, and you have inspired me. As, uh, and, and, and I thought of this just a very simple thing. One of my friends that he, when you open up, when he'd open up his computer, he'd have a piece of paper there. And I wondered, what was that? And every time it says, it, I saw the paper, it said, pray first. And I said, what is that? He said, I want to be reminded every time I open up my computer to pray before I do anything else. That's why just friends have inspired me through the years. And I bet you friends have inspired you as well. And here's the thing. You don't even know when you're affecting people. You have no idea that, that you worshiping, that you, you, how you, how you treat your kids, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your friends, what you do at school, what you do in your job, how you do your job honestly and with integrity and everything. It's rubbing off on people, whether you know it or, or not, and you're having an effect on your, uh, on your friends. Another thing, you know, I used to, um, relationships also inspire us to, to persevere. And can we just admit that life can sometimes be really, really tough? And here's the thing. Sometimes life throws us curveballs that we weren't expecting. And sometimes life does not end up as planned. It doesn't, it doesn't end as we were planning. Things don't take that. Things, things end up different. And sometimes, let's, be, let's just be honest, and sometimes we fall, fly, uh, fall flat on our face, don't we? Sometimes we fall flat on our face as, as parents, as a husband or a wife, as kids, as a worker, as a Christian, a child of God. Sometimes we, and sometimes we feel like giving up, don't we? Have you ever felt like giving up? If you ever felt like giving up, you're not alone because almost every biblical character that we have record of, and I love the fact that the, the word of God is honest and, and real there, almost every one of them has a, it, there were times that they just felt like absolutely saying, I give up, I've had, I've had enough, too much. And, you know, there's times that we do that. And I thought of my friends there is, is there's times, you know, as a, as a person, as a pastor, I've fallen given up. Sometimes you just wonder, are you making a difference? Sometimes you just wonder, you know, what's going on and things. And, and there's a reason why in ministry that, that pastors have the, the biggest burnout rate of any, other, of any other profession there is. And the next closest is air traffic controllers. And it's one-third what that, is, what that is. But I'm just thinking, you know, I was going through a time of just kind of uh, discouragement a few, a few weeks ago. And I remember just getting a, a text from one of the one of our young adults and just so encouraged and then got a text from somebody on staff got a text from and uh, and sylvia is always 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 you know so encouraging to to me and just some friends uh, you know just just speaking life and everything and and i thought how blessed we are to have friends you know when you have friends when you have family when you have people that's speaking in your life of just raising you up and just encouraging you because sometimes life can be tough there was, um, you know, I, when, I, when I was younger, especially, I used to do a lot of 10Ks, and I would, uh, I would keep my record of my times and just seeing, you know, how I was doing and keep a record of always wanting to get better, always wanting to get faster, always wanting to, to be able to do, do more there. And one thing I noticed, I was, I was, I was looking it down, I thought, well, there's, there's a problem because it doesn't register that the best shape that I've been in always was the best time. Sometimes when I wasn't quite as in good peak condition, I had better times. And sometimes when I was in the most peak condition, I, wasn't in, I didn't have the, the times that I had before. And I'm scratching my head going, what is the difference here? Why is the difference? And finally, I realized it was just one of those moments. And my times were almost directly proportionate to how many people I had on the course cheering me on. 
You know, there was the, the times where I had zero or, or, almost, or almost nobody there. Those were the times were the worst. The more people I had on the course, the more people, the more I, I, the better I did. In fact, my personal record was at my university when about every 100 feet, I had somebody cheering me on and encouraging me. And here's the thing that I noticed too is, is, is in life, let's compare it to a race. In life, when do we need it the most? I was thinking really three different times. One of them is, is in the middle of the race. Because at the start of the race, you know, you're excited. Everybody's excited. You got that adrenaline going, everything. You're so, you're so stoked. You're ready to go. And at the end of the race, you know, you see the finish line there, and everybody's sprinting. I don't care what they've done before. They're sprinting at the, at the finish line, and you're doing that. And, but it's in the middle of the race where you don't have the excitement of the start. Think about this in life. And, but to the, if the finish line isn't there, that sometimes that's where we need our friends, and we need to be those friends as, as well. Other times, it's in the, when the, the hill gets rough, isn't it? And it's uphill, and man, the wind's in, in, our, in our face. I remember one time during a triathlon, and we'd already swam a whole lot, and we'd biked a whole lot. In the middle of this run, that we're running a whole lot. Suddenly, there was this hill from Hades, man. It was horrible. And probably half the people stopped running at that point and just started walking, and there was this moan over everybody. And I remember I thought, I'm not going to stop. I did not stop. I couldn't have set off a good motion detector at the time. I was going that slow, but I did not stop. But I remember just at that time, the people around were always were encouraging each other. We can make it. We can do it to the top. We can go. We can go. We can go. And there was some guy that I had never met before, and he was a, a basketball player from Villanova. Uh, and, and he and I just were running together and just encouraging. And just I still remember him. Come on, man. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. And there's times in life, another third time is, in those transitions, especially when you try a triathlon, there's just somebody there to just encourage you at that time. And there's times that there's transitions of life that are especially hard. There's times where it's just in the middle of the race and, and the excitement of whatever it is, that's over, but the finish line isn't there and you're in the middle of that. And sometimes life is just uphill and we need each other to just encourage each other and be there and let us know that we can, we can make it to the, to the other side. And isn't that kind of what you know what AA is about and, 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 and organizations like that 12 step programs and stuff it's reminding people you're not alone that you're not in this by yourself that there's others around you that can help you through this that can encourage you in this whole thing and I love this story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is this little picture of something that, that Aaron and her did to with Moses and here it is in Exodus Exodus 17. So Joshua fought the Amalekites Joshua's down there. Moses is on a hill along with, with Aaron and her, and just as Moses had ordered. Now, Moses is praying for everybody. And Moses and Aaron and her went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he got tired and lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron held up his, his hands on one side and one on the other so that his hands remained uh, steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the, with the sword. And I love that picture because isn't that a great picture of friendship as, as well? There are times that we are just so exhausted, so worn out, so whatever, and this is what family, that we just, man, we just lower our, you know, we can't even, can't even put our arms up even. And I remember, you know, how many times there's times that I've noticed is sometimes we're the ones that help other people raise their hands, some of our friends, people in our family, our kids, our parents, anything like that, our ch church folk. And there's other times that they're helping us. 
I was part of a small group with about five or six people for years, five or six pastors, and we got together three times a year. And one thing that I noticed, every time we got together, we would share life. And there was always one of us, maybe two, that were going through hell at that time. I mean, just life was rough at that time. And we'd gather around, and we'd just raise up their arms. And then the other time, the next time we got together, this person's doing way better, and this person over here is hurting. And I love that about friendship, that God just puts, puts each of us in each other's life, that we can raise, raise each other's arms and encourage each other. And really, that's a lot what Jesus would do, a whole lot with his, with his disciples. On the night he was betrayed, you know, what you have is, is he really gave a pep talk to his, to his disciples. They were all discouraged because he was going to be leaving them, and he, they knew that. And so he comes up and he goes, guys, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to raise from the dead, and I'm, not gonna, and I'm going to go prepare a place for you as, as well. And those words of encouragement could help the, them, them out. And you ever think about it, one word, one word of encouragement can change our life, can it? I mean, one person saying the right thing in the right way can change our whole day, it can change our whole week, it can change our whole, whole life. Again, for some reason, I went back to one, one story that happened in 1896, and you had Thomas Edison, and you had his friend, a young man at that time, a younger man, by the name of Henry Ford. And Henry Ford had just invented the quadricycle, and, and so he showed it to Edison, who was a mentor, friend, and everything, and he said that, that Thomas Edison smashed down his hand on a, uh, when he saw that and he, and on, on a desk, and he said these words. He said, young man, that's the thing. You have it. Your car is self-contained and carries its own power plant. And uh, Henry Ford said, with the bang of that table, we're worth worlds to me. And he, he went on to say that, that the words that he said of encouragement at that moment changed his life forever. And I wonder how many times, again, we may not even know it, that one word of encouragement can make a person's day. One word of encouragement can, can make somebody in your family or one, somebody you go to school with or somebody you work with, it can totally change even the direction for their life. Another thing is relationships sharpen us. There's this incredible passage in, in uh, this little blurb in, uh, in Proverbs that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And think of this, how do you sharpen iron? How do you sharpen something? You sharpen it by going with the grain and by going what? Against the grain. Now, we love it when people go with our grain, right? I mean, that's encouragement. We feel like taking on the world. Everything is good when, the, when they're going to the grain. And we know that God puts people in our life to go with the grain and to encourage us. But know that that same God sometimes allows people to come and rub us the wrong way. And these people can even be people that God has sent into our life, people that we work with that rub us the wrong way, people in our family related to that love, rub us the wrong way. Even people that we love and care about deeply can rub us the wrong way. Our closest friends sometimes can rub us the wrong way. Our, our, our spouse, our children, our parents, our whatever can rub us the wrong way. And a lot of times if we go into, oh, and by the way, we're rubbing them the wrong way at the same time, right? It's not just a one-way street. We're rubbing them the wrong way. And if we go into a relationship thinking that the first time, you know, somebody's rubbing us the wrong way, then it's a sign that the relationship is doomed or whatever. 
No. I mean, conflict is going to happen in any relationship. And in fact, the strength of a relationship shows how much conflict that it can actually go and go to the, the other side. And I remember, I remember one person in our church, this was years ago, but I, remember, I still remember the character that this person showed. And they had had a quibble with, I don't know if it was somebody on staff, or I forget, or somebody in the church, but they had that, and, I rem and they came up to me and said, you know what? And you know, we, you know, we had this struggle, and I came this close to leaving the church. But he said, and then I realized that God put that situation, God put that person in my life to develop my character. So I'm going nowhere. And I thought, man, if we could be that mature to just realize that, uh, that God has even put the people that rub us the wrong way into our life to develop our character. Now, there's some of you that, uh, that you, got, you have one of those makeup mirrors, right, that, that magnify everything. And, and I'm telling you, the first, I still remember this day, the, the first time I ever saw one of those. It traumatized me, okay? I mean, I saw things I didn't know were on my face, right? There was a hair, like, growing out the side here that had to be growing from, like, the Truman administration or something. It was, and I'm thinking, why has a friend not told me that there's an there's a inch-long hair growing out or, or a dry spot that looked like the Sahara Desert, right? I mean, and, and these things magnified. I'm like, who would want this? Who would want a mirror like this? But we know why you have a mirror like that. It's to intentionally point out the, the blemishes, the flaws, so you can do something about it. And you don't take the mirror when it does that and smash it and go, stupid mirror. You go, okay, how can I change? What do I need to do to change in that? In the same way, relationships, they will, they will confront us with our flaws, won't they? If we take honest looks, they will show us where we are needing character development, especially the closer the relationship is, the more it magnifies. And there's times that all of a sudden we'll go, you know, if we're honest with ourselves and we allow the Holy Spirit to do that, sometimes we'll go, you know what? I was pretty selfish there. Or man, you know what? I've got a temper problem or I've got a control issue. Or I need to work on intimacy. Or I've got to, man, I need to show my affection more, show my love, or say I love you more, say thank you more. I've got, you know, I've got this, I've got an attitude problem right now. And sometimes we just have that, that picture that's up in, in front of us that we need to, we need to do something uh, about. That um, another thing, and something else is there's protection in relationship as well. I'll listen to, and, and that's especially where it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back can conquer. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord. It's not easily broken. I literally lived this out one time, that a friend and I, that we were coming back from, uh, from baseball, and we each had a bat in our hands, and we were, we were attacked, there's no other word for it, by a pack of dogs. There were probably six, seven, eight dogs uh, and they were coming after us. And I mean, snarling, everything. It was like something out of a nightmare. And I remember we, at first we just, we all had the bats. So we, I mean, both had the bats. So we're swinging them like this. And then, but they're coming up behind us and everything. And, and one of us yelled back to back, back to back. So we got to each other's back and we're swinging these things. And after a while, they realized they can't get through. But that to me is a perfect picture of friendship. That's a per, the, the picture that God has of relationship. That's what God has of what church is. That's what God has of what family is supposed to be. 
that I've got your back, you've got my back, that we've got each other's back, that we're going to go through trouble. And you know what? We're not even going to always agree with our family members, or even our church family or anything like that. But we're going to be back to back with each other. And what's, they're not going to get your back because I got your back. And you're not gonna, they're not going to get my back because you've got my back. And, uh, and, and that's, I think, God's perfect picture of what he has. And there's a, just a great example of t- in nature. The muskox behave as wildebeest or seals never would. They unite into a single force. They form a wall between the wolves and the youngsters. These muskox know that they are a family. They share a common bond. Faced with baby-mad, giant, hairy goats working together, wolves usually give up. Again, what a beautiful picture of what church is about, that we are shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and we're strengthened when we do that. You know, I remember I love watching nature documentaries, and I remember seeing one time a, uh, a, a herd of elephants that went to this watering hole, and they were, and the lions, there were 36 lions, and they, they didn't, wouldn't have nothing to do with that group of, uh, of elephants. But there is a word for an animal that is by itself in Africa. It's called dinner, right? And I want to say something is, one of my mentors used to say to me all the time, say, if you get isolated, you're going to get picked off. If you get isolated, you're going to get picked off. And it's true. If we get isolated, it's going to be a matter of time. And I don't care who you are. It's going to be a matter of time because Satan loves those who are isolated and by themselves. And I remember watching this one bull elephant. I mean, it was a bull elephant. It was huge. And it came up alone to that watering. And I thought nothing could touch a bull elephant. And I remember watching this picture of 36 lions going after it, and it took, and it took the, that bull elephant down. The Bible says this, that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And know that we are way better, way more safe together than we ever are apart. A couple of other things is one thing that it's saying that there's also needs to be forgiveness in friendship. Because we will let each other down. We will disappoint each other. And there used to be this, this saying in the 1970s that came with a movie called Love Story. And it said this, that love means never having to say, you're sorry. And to me, I'm thinking of a word to, to, to describe that phrase, asinine. That's the word I think it is. Because how stupid can it be? Because friendship, relationship means we're going to have to say, I'm sorry. And we're going to receive, I'm sorry, from other people. We're going to let each other, we're going to let other people down. They're going to let us down. And there needs to be forgiveness there. But I want to close on one story. And I love this story. It's a true story. But there, was, there were two ladies in a nursing home. One of them's name was Ruth and one of them's name was Margaret. Ruth had had, it was, both of them were accomplished pianists in their day. But one of them, Ruth, had had a stroke on her right side. Margaret had a stroke on her left side. And this incredible genius of a nurse in a nursing home put the two of them, where one is using her strong left hand and the other is using her strong right hand, and put the music up there. And in no time, they were playing beautiful music together. We can do far more together than we can apart. We're far stronger together. It's more fun. It's more enjoyable. It's strong. We're stronger together, and also we can make a whole lot more beautiful together music together than we ever could apart. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you would like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.